I don't know. I think we planted somebody over here to start that clap. That was a premature clap. It felt fake now. Well, hey, just an update on the Mexico trip. We are personally building two homes with our two trips, but we raised money to build four homes. So we're funding a third home being built, and there's a fourth home being built in Costa Rica. And so praise God for, for those opportunities. Those are going to be great. Okay, for that. Well, we had a, a great night for a camp out with dad, but a lot, all the dads that were there are discouraged with me. They're all upset at me. With, based on a technicality, I may have been the only person sleeping in a camper and everyone else was in a tent. It was an accident. God's honest truth. It was an accident. The boo is, is not even deserved. I was telling a friend on staff, I said, oh, Titus is going to have to leave at like 10 when Shannon's done with Bunko because he's been sick all week and it'll, it's not good for him to sleep out in the cold. And he's like, stay in my camper. And I said, well, that does sound nice. But it wasn't nice because every time I opened the camper, I felt so guilty. If there, was, if there was a hatch in the floor, I would have crawled in and out of that. I was always looking around. And so this is my confession. But it was the best night's sleep of my life. <laughs> I'll make it up to you guys, I promise. All right, every um, week during this service, we have the Explore the Bible class happening in small church. They've been going through 1 Thessalonians. Next week, they start a four-week series in 2 Thessalonians. And so if you want to jump into that class and maybe stay afterwards to go to the 1140 service, that's starting. New teachers, every time we get to a new book of the Bible. If you have kids in the kids' ministry, then we have a kids' club available during this service. You can check your kids into the kids' club, bit of a different program, and then in the, the next service, they can go into see kids directly so that you can uh, be here for two services. But it's going to be great, great teacher, new book of the Bible for four weeks starting next week. Next week is Mother's Day, and Pastor Ron Armstrong's going to be back teaching and celebrating that with us, and so we're excited. I'll be in Louisville. I'm graduating from seminary in Louisville. I am done, and I am so thankful for that. And uh, bring in the whole family. We're going to make a little vacation out of it, go to the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter out there. It'll be fun. And then we'll be back in John chapter 8 uh, when I get back. And so we're in our Relationship Reset series. Last week, we talked about past hurts. What do you do when someone has hurt you so bad the relationship is just broken? Well, the tool you use is forgiveness. We spent a lot of time discussing that and why we should forgive. But what if you've done the hurting and someone else is hurting their past because of you? Well, that's the tool of repairing damage, reconciliation. Today, we're going to talk about current problems, problems that continue to happen, and you almost dread hanging out with the person because you know they're going to keep hurting you. They're going to keep crossing the lines. What do you do in situations where every time you hang out with someone, you feel anxious, you feel nervous, you feel discouraged? You feel like there's a slow drain on your energy, a slow leak on your life when you're hanging out with this person. Should it just continue forever? Well, the problem with a slow leak, a slow drain, is that we don't think it's a big deal, right? Some of the guys were describing their air mattress having a slow leak where they went to bed and they woke up and they were eaten by the air mattress. And it doesn't seem like a big deal. I've talked about my low tire, you know, low pressure indicator for my tires in my car. I just kind of ignore it. But should I ignore it? Is it bad to have a slow leak? Well, I, I looked up what happens when you don't have the right tire pressure, like in my car. Three bad things. You don't maximize fuel economy up to 10%. So I'm getting 10% less mileage because I don't have the right tire pressure. That means I'm going to go broke with gas prices today. Also, 
you, you don't minimize the tire wear uh, as effectively. So the tires wear out 16% faster when they don't have the right pressure. And the number one reason for tire blowouts is because of poor pressure in the tires. And finally, there's increased safety. There's just better handling when the right pressure is in the tire. And so a slow leak does matter when you look at all of those things, and it's affecting your relationships too. When someone is just slowly sapping the life out of you when you're spending time with them, that is not how God designed relationships to be. They should be life-giving. And so there is hope for change. We'll see in the Scriptures today that God gives us further tools to use with current problems in our relationship. You could say in toxic relationships. You don't need these tools in every relationship, but when, when they're broken, they can be very helpful. And so when relationships have current problems, the first thing and sometimes the only thing that we need to do, the tool we want to use is honest conversations. We need to be honest about what the other person is doing to harm the relationship that you're in. Be honest about what's broken in the relationship so you both understand what it is and can work towards fixing it. They might not even know there's a problem. And what the funny thing about people is all of us, we will continue to violate whatever isn't communicated as a problem. And so sometimes we reinforce these problems by not saying that they're bothering us. And so if change is what we desire, then we need to be honest, and the Scriptures tell us to do this as well. Ephesians 4 says, speaking the truth in love we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. If we want to grow in maturity, to continue to grow in Christ's likeness, we can't just do that ourselves. We need other people speaking into our lives difficult truths so that we can change. And so we need to be honest in our conversations with others and speak to them truthfully with an attitude of love so they have an opportunity to mature. We're, we're kind of limiting their opportunity to mature when we don't have these conversations. And we've earned them. If we've been a good friend, the Proverbs tell us that wounds from a friend are faithful, right? It's faithful. We should be willing to listen to hard feedback from people that we know, well, they love me. They've never done me wrong. Why would they say this to me? Maybe I need to be humble and listen to what they're saying. And it, as obvious as, as it is to us that somebody's harming us, it may be a blind spot for them. They may think you like that type of humor or communication or whatever, and, and they just think it's not even a problem. And so blind spots are real. We talk about blind spots because of cars where there's a certain spot in that mirror where you don't necessarily know if a car is coming. And so you've done this before too where you look and you're like, yeah, it looks clear. Let me just look over my shoulder and the car is flying up and you realize, oh my, I would have been in an accident because that car was in my blind spot. Now, Pastor Aaron Crane, our worship pastor, when he rides with me, he likes to think that my windshield is a blind spot, both mirrors, both side windows. He's just terrified. And I believe, and we should all hold him accountable to this, I believe the Lord wants to grow him in courage. <laughs> he needs to grow in boldness, and God is using me in his life. And so I'll be driving him to lunch this week, and we'll report back to you and see how it goes. People have blind spots. And it needs to be exposed and brought into the light. Darkness pauses all productivity. And when someone doesn't know there needs to be something that's worked on, we need to bring it into the light so it can be worked on. And I think of God. God sent us the prophet, prophet after prophet, right? We have the, had the written word. We've had the spoken word from the prophets. But eventually, he sent his son Jesus in person 
to have an honest conversation with us. We knew after Jesus came and died on the cross just how bad our sin was and just how much God loves us. Jesus came in person to do that. And these honest conversations, we want to have them all on text, right? That's just the easiest. We want to do them on Facebook Messenger or on a comment on social media. Have difficult conversations in person when possible and on the phone when not possible. It's too important to mess up and to not understand the tone of voice that's happening. We're not responsible for the other person's reaction. We are responsible for respectfully communicating the truth and not having anything in our relationship in the dark, but being honest about how other people are making us feel. And so, honest conversation. Sometimes we're lucky enough to have that conversation. It goes well, and they want to change too, and we don't even have to use any further tools. We just had to bring something into the light. But if that's not the case, and we still need help, then the tool we need to use is establishing boundaries. A boundary is a property line. In relationships, it defines us in relation to other people, right? What are the boundaries? What's allowed? What's not allowed? In a toxic relationship, boundaries help preserve our souls and limit the relationship's damage so that we have time and space to heal. And so the other person has some time to, to work on themselves and, and to grow. And so this is so important to know what type of interactions are fair game and which ones aren't. Boundaries help us establish this. Lots of categories for boundaries. And the biggest one is just saying, saying no, right? Knowing that you can say that. There's physical boundaries. So personal space and physical touch, you get to decide what's okay. Shannon and I uh, at a church in New Jersey we had a, a great church there, and there was a man, an older man, that went on a trip to Italy, and when he came back, he thought he was Italian. Sounded like Luigi, and, but he brought back the Italian kiss, and so every time he would see someone, he's, oh, and he'd kiss him on the cheek, kiss him on the cheek. We're like, ah, oh, it's cute. He went to Italy. It lasted for years. Every time we saw him, we noticed ourselves being like, where's the exit? What side door? Can I pray with someone? Is there, uh, can I pray with you, please? And you would, I mean, and Shannon was like, he's going to kiss me, and I'm like, you're fine. You know, I didn't, it wasn't like a threat. If I, I said, if I see the guy using banaka and you know, putting, you know, tapstick on, then I'll, I'll deal with it. But, but to his credit, we never told him that he was making us uncomfortable, and people will continue to violate what you don't communicate. And he was a great guy, but there was that boundary being crossed. We get to establish those physical boundaries. We can establish conversational boundaries. You can tell people, I don't want to talk about this gossip. I don't want to hear this slander about other family members. Don't bring me into that. I don't want to hear it. And we're not going to have conversations if that's where it always goes to. We can say that. There's emotional boundaries, financial boundaries. You can let someone you trust that's in a bind borrow your car if you feel comfortable with that, but you don't do that with someone you just met in the morning. And each person has to make their own decisions on what they share from their own resources. And if they're com comfortable lending money to family or not, we don't have to be pressured into those situations. And time. We get to choose how long and how many times we spend hanging out with other people. Other people may want us more of the time, but we have to have a balanced and healthy life all the time. Jesus encountered people that were crossing boundaries left and right. He called them the religious leaders. Here's who he came up against in Matthew 23. He says, they tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. 
The religious leaders would say, here's how you will obey the law, and you better do this, and they're judging people and holding them accountable, saying, you need to do all these things, but they themselves wouldn't even do those things. They're crossing everybody else's healthy boundaries, saying, this is how you will live your life, but they would be offended if anyone told them to do the same exact thing. Jesus, this is who you should be. This is what you should do. And obviously, he wasn't going to have any of that. We all run into people that want to violate and cross our boundaries. But boundaries are based on the idea of freedom, right? We have freedom to choose our friends, how much time we're going to spend with them, and how often, right? We get to make those decisions because we're, we're allowed to. I can tell people, don't, don't touch me. Somebody after service is like, but we've talked, right? We're a hugging family. And yeah, we've talked. You're a hugging family, and I, that, that's totally fine by me. I didn't want to make them think that wasn't, right? And so people get to make those decisions. Every person can have a different one. It's based on the idea of freedom. Now, it gets more complex when you try and figure things out within the marriage covenant, right? What, is, what do boundaries look like there? Employee contracts. What does a boundary look like there? Parenting your children. What kind of freedom do your kids have or not have? And so the, the most helpful resource on all of this is the book, the New York Times bestseller that many have read, Boundaries. We'll put a picture of it on the screen there. But this book has been so helpful. So many people have read it. But if you have a complicated situation, he has written additional books and workbooks on, you know, boundaries within marriage, boundaries in parenting, boundaries in the workplace, so that you can work through whatever relationship you're struggling with. But Henry Cloud and John Townsend have written the definitive guide on boundaries, and many have been blessed by it. But it's all based on freedom that we get to make these decisions based on the Lord's leading, what would be a healthy life for us. And boundaries are so helpful for us to prevent harm. We can be harmed if we have no boundaries up at all, right? It can be a dangerous thing for us. In the Proverbs, we hear, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. Paul says it like this, bad company corrupts good morals. We have to have healthy boundaries up or else toxic relationships can affect us, steal our joy, and we're no longer life-giving ourselves because we're so drained by other people. That's why there are no trespassing signs for people's own good. I think it was within the first year of marriage that uh, Shannon and I went to Niagara Falls. It was during winter. So everything's frozen, and we were at this uh, attraction there called the Journey Behind the Falls, where you go underground, and, and you're in this dark tunnel. It has a handrail, and you look through, and you can see through a long window the backside of the falls, and part of it's still flowing, and, and it just looks so interesting. And so and there's nobody around. It's not tourist season. There's no cameras around, and so I wasn't set up to make a good decision at all. And so I was like, well, I probably still need to impress my wife, even though we're married. And so I climb over. She's impressed with foolishness. And so I, I climb over the boundary, and I just want to get a peek in that window into the cave. And it was beautiful. Icicles everywhere. It's just like glass-looking snow and ice everywhere. And so I just kind of lean in a little bit. And God's honest truth, I, I kind of start to slide towards the back of Niagara Falls to my doom. And so I, I'm sliding and moving, and all of a sudden I realize I do not have control right now. So I have to solve a really delicate problem. How do I remain cool looking to my wife but not die? And so I just shifted my weight real casually, finally grabbed something, pulled myself back, and she goes, I don't think that was a good decision. I'm like, I was in complete control. <laughs> it's just today that she realized that I almost died on, on that day. It was up. 
That sign was trying to protect my life. It was trying to prevent harm from something foolish. Boundaries prevent damage to us, and so we have to treat them like a healthy fence, keeps the good in and keeps the bad out. Boundaries should have fair consequences, right? They're not punishments, but they should have fair consequences for what happens when a boundary is crossed. And so if, if my kids lie to us about, hey, do we brush your teeth? You know, did, did you brush them? If they're like, yeah, yeah, I brushed my teeth. Sometimes just the way they say it, you're like, you didn't brush your teeth. You're lying to me, right? You're like, no, honestly, did you brush your teeth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, all right. If I go upstairs and touch your toothbrush, will it be dry or wet? That's like the parent's secret weapon right there, right? Now, if they were smart or they listened to the sermon, they would put it under the water and not brush their teeth, and then I'd feel guilty for, you know, saying that to them. But you know, then all of a sudden, oh, actually… And so if they cross that boundary, Shannon teased one of our kids this week saying, you didn't, you didn't brush your teeth, you can't go to camp out with dad. And they almost start crying, we're just kidding, we're kidding, right? That was just an extreme joke. Now, the proper boundary would be, all right, well, you can't have any desserts or snacks with the family this week because we have to know that you're brushing your teeth or else it's going to be devastating for your teeth. And so I'm sorry, this week, earn back the trust. And if it happens again, we're scheduling a bonus dentist appointment, which is the end of the world. It's cruel, right? But it works. The, the boundary, the consequence has to match the boundary that was crossed. Paul told uh, his, his pastor Titus, warn a divisive person once and then warn them a second time, but after that have nothing to do with them for division. Think about that. Paul said, hey, you can even warn him a second time. Hey, I, I said, I don't want to talk about this. I don't think this is helpful for, for my walk with the Lord, for our relationship. Warn them even twice, but after that, it's okay to have some physical space and say, we need some time apart from each other because you keep disrespecting me by crossing this boundary. There should be fair consequences for that because boundaries help people to take responsibility and grow. It's a part of life's lesson as people continue to mature in Christ, not a punishment. There's just a universal truth that God has established that a man reaps what he sows. It's just true. If you're going to act like a jerk to everybody and be mean to everyone, you're just not going to have any friends. You're not going to have any deep friends, at least. You're going to reap what you sow. And so we have to be careful. We want to. We think it's love would always rescue and that's hard. There's a, there's a fine line there. But we think love always rescues. But if you rescue someone from the consequences of their poor decision, then they're going to be on repeat. They're going to continue to need rescuing. And the Scriptures make this clear. Proverbs 19, a hot-tempered person must pay the penalty. Rescue them, and you will have to do it again. Right? And we've experienced that. And so you want to make sure you're not enabling someone by always rescuing them from the decisions that they've made. There's a way to love them. So I think of one time in our family where it was, hey, if you do this again, this is the punishment. Okay, you will not have your iPad time at all this week. That's hard for a kid. That's, that's like tears and crying for a kid. And there's a time for mercy and grace, but it's, we have to have a consequence. And so the mercy and grace comes in with, hey, every time the other two are on their iPad, you know, mommy and daddy want to sit with you and we want to read a book with you and help you with your schoolwork. We want to show you that we love you, but there is still a consequence here. And so we need them to take responsibility and grow. If you've been here for a few years, you've heard Pastor Ron Armstrong say this, the things that got you here keep you here. 
We have to change those habits if there's going to be a change in the results. Boundaries are, are so important for one final reason, because they, they help us to tell the truth about ourselves. We want everyone to think that we are invincible, we're strong, we can handle everyone's drama. When we set boundaries and say, no, you can't keep crossing that line, it's harming me, we're being honest about ourselves and saying, I can't take all this drama. I can't, it's affecting me negatively. So I need a bit of space so I can have some time to be built up in Christ instead of always being torn down. We're being honest about our capacity and how strong we really are, and that's important. But boundaries are confusing, so there's a lot of myths about them. So let's clear up a few of the the myths that people say about boundaries. The first is that they're selfish. I mean, sometimes if your takeaway from this sermon is, I will create a rules sheet for every one of my friends so that they will always treat me the way I want to be treated, they cross that line, they're, they're done, and there's no room, then yeah, you're, you're not going to have a lot of friends by the end of it. We can't control other people. Sometimes they can be selfish, but boundaries are normal. They're in every area of our life. When I was at the Bible college, the community in Marietta was always upset at the Bible college because, well, we should be able to be on that property and enjoy the hot springs. And if, if there was a way for us to do that, we would love for that to happen. But there's a school on that property. I had to show my driver's license to get into Titus's kindergarten class last week to read a book to his class because there's kids there and you want to protect them. And so boundaries are normal in life. And so it's okay when we establish them. Some think that boundaries hurt others, like it's an offensive weapon, but it's actually a defensive move, right? The Scriptures say in Proverbs, above all else, so like this is really important, above all else, guard your heart. It's one of the most important things we can do is to guard our soul, our heart, our our emotions, and and our mind, right? To guard that. It's defensive, not attacking someone else when we do that. We're just admitting, hey, I need some space so I can heal, so I can grow. Boundaries aren't allowed, some people say. And, and that's because some will guilt us into saying, after all I've done for you, now you're putting up this boundary. And it's probably true they've done a lot for you. And if there's some kind of a debt situation, you need to honor, honor that arrangement. But that doesn't mean that someone has absolute access to your life and can control you. Boundaries are allowed when appropriate, right? And some say boundaries are permanent. How cruel boundaries are permanent. You're burning this bridge forever. The truth is, is temporary boundaries do more to restore a relationship back to health than anything else, because you need that time and space to heal. And boundaries can always be renegotiated when the situation changes. And so some myths that are there, but we honestly don't set boundaries because of fear. I didn't want that nice fake Italian man to be upset at me. You know, I didn't want to hurt his feelings. Uh, you know, I don't want to hurt your feelings. Keep kissing my wife. You know, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to hurt your feelings. And so I didn't want to, it's fear that makes us make bad decisions. Fear of abandonment. Oh, if I set this boundary, they're just going to end the relationship. That, that's, a, that's a nerve-wracking thing, so we, we bite our tongue. Fear of their anger, right? Oh, they escalate things, and so I'm not going anywhere near the situation. Fear of loneliness during the season where you pull back and aren't around certain people as much. Fear of payback of what they'll do to you, the, the boundaries they're going to push back right on you, and, and fear of a, having a lack of approval. What are people going to think about me? Well, those aren't good reasons to not set healthy boundaries. The truth is we're nervous to set boundaries because we are insecure about if we're even loved by that person. If we knew they loved us, 
then we would be able to have difficult conversations with them. But if we're not even sure if they love us, maybe they're just using us, taking advantage of us, then we get nervous about setting boundaries, and we're left with two bad options. We set the boundaries, we, we request a healthy change, and we risk losing the whole relationship. Or we don't request any change, and we, we remain a prisoner to that person's wishes and demands. Well, that's not a good way to go about it. And so we need such a strong relationship with God and other healthy relationships if we're going to set boundaries in toxic relationships. But here's how much God loves us, and here's how this helps. Look at verse, uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. It says, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. We need to rely on the love of God in life. If we can find our security, our joy, and our peace in God, if we know He's never going to leave me, He's always going to stick with me, and He's the one encouraging me to live a, a healthy life for Him, it gives us a bit more comfort in taking the risk to set boundaries with other people because we know, well, God's not going to leave me. And likely other healthy relationships you have are going to support you in this as well. So we need to work on our relationship with God so that we have the boldness to set healthy boundaries with other people. No matter what the outcome is, God can get us through it. Other healthy relationships are there for our support, but also to kind of rein us in. Sometimes we get really carried away, and, and our friends may say, are, are you sure that's not a little overkill, that boundary you set? Do you think that's a bit too much and maybe interpreted as an offensive thing instead of defensive? And our healthy relationships can help rein us in when we're a little over the top. I know that once we had three kids instead of two, we moved from man-to-man -man defense to zone defense in parenting. Shannon and I need to be like this if we're going to survive, right? That's just to survive, not having produced healthy children or good children, right? Like, it takes a lot. All of a sudden, you're like, they're everywhere, and they all had sugar. Oh, my goodness. And, and there's times where she'll say to me, I really need your help with this one. Please sit down and talk to this one. I can't. I can't anymore. I just got to walk away. Shannon and I need such a healthy relationship if we're going to help teach our kids the proper boundaries and consequences and grow them from little gremlins into Jesus people, right? Beautiful little gremlins, cute gremlins, but they're still that, right? So we set boundaries, right? You have the honest conversation. You set boundaries when the honest conversation doesn't really go well so that you've got the time and space that you need. And then finally, you set some goals because the boundaries don't have to be there forever. Goals aim us at what a healthy relationship could look like and what changes need to happen if we're going to renegotiate the boundaries. Hey, let's head in this direction because the goal would be that you, you kind of remove a lot of these boundaries that are there just to protect you and you have a free relationship with someone because you both understand each other and love each other and you're confident in that. And so reminding someone what a healthy relationship looks like is crucial. I like how Paul told the Thessalonians this, encourage one another, build each other up just as in fact you are doing. He's like, this is how it should be where you just leave relationships feeling encouraged and built up and ready to conquer the world. That's what a relationship could be. And so you talk with someone that has a broken relationship and say, this is how it used to be. This is what it could be. Here's how we're going to get there. This is the path forward for us because goals are a lot more proactive than reactive. If you're only reacting to, to negative situations, they're just going to keep happening, right? We, we should be proactive, and God wants us to be proactive. Our relationship with God is proactive. Jesus says in Matthew, ask, right, and you'll receive. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, 
and the door will be opened. He doesn't say sit and do nothing, right? God has a kingdom. He has a mission. He's involved us in that. What do we want to accomplish for God? We should look at the Scriptures, think about the Lord, and say, Lord, would you give me this? Lord, would you save that person? Lord, would you help me over here? And it's a proactive relationship with God, and our relationships with other people, if proactive, can, can be overcome, right? The difficulties can be overcome. And so what's important to realize is no formula is going to solve this for you because all relationships are messy so expect it and be gracious. Our main goal shouldn't be controlling people so that we have this perfect experience. Our main goal should be that we grow so much in Christ that he gives us a greater capacity to be gracious with broken people around us. The boundaries are really only necessary for, for two reasons. If you think that you're enabling someone by continuing to be around them, or if they're hurting you, but if you are so close to Jesus and so secure in his love for you that they actually can't hurt you anymore no matter what they say, and it just kind of rolls off on you, you will have a greater capacity to be around broken people, and you can be the one setting the example for patience, love, and joy, and grace, and mercy in their life. And if you don't have that capacity, you've got to put up some boundaries and build that up and continue to grow in the Lord. But relationships are messy. No formula solves it but God gives us the tools so that we don't have to be stuck in these unhealthy relationships. We can pursue peace in them and have them be life-giving again. So the, the question really is, is there one person this week that we need to have an honest conversation with? And maybe it just stops right there. You have an honest conversation and they receive it well and they're like, oh, I had no idea. I had no idea I was hurting you. Of course, I don't want that either. Let's, let's make each other better. I don't want to pull you down. It could be great. And if not, then you need the courage and, and boldness from the Lord to set some boundaries, set some goals, that you have a path forward so it doesn't just continue to happen. But it's complex. It can be complicated. When love is involved, we can be confused about it. So let's ask the Lord for wisdom and just the simple goal of saying, Lord, is there one person this week that I need to have an honest conversation with? So Father, would you please help us to do that? And, and maybe, again, we are the ones that, that are breaking a relationship. And so help us to be open to the feedback that comes back at us. Lord, help us to be open to changing ourselves if we're the ones damaging relationships. But Lord, give us that courage that we need. We don't just want to speak the truth. We want to speak the truth in love. If our motive is love, we honestly care about people and want our relationship to be strong and for them to grow in Christ, then then, Lord, help us to do our part to remove the blind spots and to speak honestly about that relationship. And so give us that strength and wisdom. Give us that boldness in love. In Jesus' name, amen. Not an easy thing to do, so we'll have a prayer team available here after service. Right now, if you want to come forward and receive prayer, we would love to pray with you. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.